the Scriptures Are Real podcast, the podcast where we talk about things in the Scriptures that just came to life to us and things that made the Scriptures real for us and how that helps us better apply things to our lives and draw power from the Scriptures. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and this is one of those few podcast episodes where it's just me talking, not with any other guests or co-hosts or anything else, and it will be a fairly short one. This is on the creation. And we're already uh, most of the way through the week where we study creation and come follow me. But as I listen to different people talking about it and people keep having questions, uh, it's just reminded me of something that I once realized that really made the scriptures come to life for me and made a couple of things make sense for me that I think also will encounter a couple of these symbols a number of times in the Old Testament. So I thought that I would just go through this quickly. So it starts with this. In the ancient Near East they did not think of creation as being ex nihilo or out of nothing. Creation was the organization of materials that already existed, and they had symbols for this. So really the the contrast or the tension in uh, ancient Near Eastern thinking is between unorganized and organized materials, which is often phrased as chaos and order. All right, so out of chaotic materials, things were organized and became order. All right, so before that, everything was unorganized, and the symbol for that is water. Water is the perfect symbol for unorganized material. When you think about water, it takes any shape. Now, we're thinking about water the way they would have experienced it. I'm not talking about molecular level, which has a shape, right? But water can take any shape. If you put it in a, a round bucket, it's round. Put it in a square container, it's square. It doesn't have a shape of its own. It's it's just water. Uh, it's it's just chaos, It can and, and it can be chaotic. It can bring about destruction. Uh, it can do all sorts of uh, havoc. Um, and it doesn't have a structure or an order of its own. It can go anywhere and be almost anything. So this was the great symbol for pre-organization or, or organized material uh, for the ancient, uh, the ancient Egyptians, the Mesopotamians, uh, all over the ancient Near East. And that's worth thinking about and understanding. Um, so if we were going to look at the scriptures, and I'm going to for the, those of you who are uh, viewing this, but I don't know that there's much in the way of visuals for this one, but I'll just share. Um, and hopefully I figure out how to edit these and get them up onto the YouTube channel soon, because I know we're way behind that. I'm just struggling with editing video. But anyway, I'll, I'll share the screen that has the scriptures on it. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter one, verse two, and, and look at this part here. And the earth was out without form and void. That sounds like watery chaos, doesn't it? Everything before there was structure. It didn't have form. It was void. So the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Listen to that, that idea, the deep. The, the uh, word really means deep water, right? The deepest kind of water. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So you can see these vestiges of the symbolism of the ancient Near East in the description that the that God uses for creation for the ancient Israelites. And that's part of what we want to understand if we're going to understand the Old Testament and understand the creation, including for ourselves in our day. God speaks to us in our own language according to our own understanding. And that doesn't just mean he speaks to us in English or Portuguese. It means he speaks to us in the way we're used to being communicated with. And that includes using the symbols or the analogies or the parables that we are used to and expecting. And the ancient Israelites were a very symbol-oriented people. And so we will speak to them using symbols that they are accustomed to. So he's going to talk about creation coming 
out of water. It's not out of nothingness. It's coming out of the deep or the waters. Now, let's think about this a, a little bit more. For the ancient Egyptians, uh, they, they have more uh, texts about creation than really almost anyone. And so we can draw some great symbols from this. And, and they were the Egyptians and the Israelites had very similar cultural ideas in, in these terms. So for the ancient Egyptians, when they talk about the period before creation, one of the phrases they use is before there were two things. So when there, everything is the same, there's only one thing. There aren't two things. And when one thing is organized so that it's different than everything else, now there are two things. And nothing really exists until there is one thing in opposition to all the other things. This should also remind us of Lehi and Lehi, or Second Nephi 2, but this idea that there must be opposition in all things. Nothing exists when there are not two things. That's pre-creation. When there are two things, then suddenly something exists. So for the Egyptians, the way this was thought of is that the universe was this mass of watery chaos. And then there was a being that organized something. And uh, so one thing was organized in the midst of everything that wasn't. And of course, you can think that the natural symbol for that would be dry land. Land appearing in the water is the symbol of one thing being organized in the midst of the watery chaos. So the Egyptians would often draw this, uh, you can, if you can picture just a whole lot of, uh, of nothingness and then you're going, or watery chaos, uh, and then you're going to organize something in the midst of it, um, then picture yourself, okay, uh, carving out of the water. So take it like a screen in your mind, a chalkboard or something, and just draw water on the whole thing. And then you're going to take one part of that and organize it. So you erase a circle in the middle, and that is now land that's organized stuff. And so you have water above it. You have water below it. You have water all around it, but it is organized stuff. So that's one way it's depicted as a sphere with water all around it. The Egyptians would draw it that way sometimes with gods or goddesses pouring that water around it. But you've got this depiction of an organized sphere with watery chaos all around it. It's sometimes then depicted as dry land appearing. And the first bit of dry land that appears is the, the point of creation, the naos of the world, as it were. Temples were supposed to be a reenactment or reestablishment of that primordial mound. Uh, the creation is thought to be on a mound or a mountain, which makes sense because as a, a dry land appears, the first thing that appears is the highest point. Right, so they think of it as a hill or a hillock, primordial hillock, holy mountain, any way you want to call this. And mountains or temples are supposed to be recreations of that first bit of creation. So let's go back to Genesis chapter one. And remember, we said the earth is without form and void and, and darkness is on the deep and the spirit of God moves upon the face of the waters. Then God creates light and he, and he divides light from darkness and he calls the light day and the darkness night. Then we get to verse six. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and it did divide the waters from the waters. Now, when I hear that, my first thing to think of is, oh, that's like a continent or something like that. But that doesn't work when we get to the next two verses, because that says, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so, and God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and morning were the second day. Okay, well, if it's a continent, it's not heaven. And if it's heaven, it's not a continent. So he's not describing a, a continent. He's describing uh, that this, this text is describing 
exactly what we were just talking about. Go back to the, what I had you draw in your mind, which is this, this uh, chalkboard with water all over it. And then you create the dry land, that sphere in the middle, but there's still water above and below. That's exactly what we're reading here, right? The firmament or rakyung in, in Hebrew um, is in the midst of the water. So that's the, that's the, the organized part is in the midst of the water and there is water above and below so above is heaven right that's that's what's above you and below you it's all water the, these are vestiges of describing a uh, an ancient near eastern set of symbols uh, that are applied to creation now that's also interesting because when we get to um, the description of creation a little bit later, and we get the four rivers coming out of it. Uh, think of that. If you have rivers that go in four different directions from a place, that place has to be the highest point. It's a mountain or a mound, at least. It's higher than everything else, or else you can't have water flow in all four directions from it. And that's, again, is probably vestiges of this idea of the primordial hill or hillock, which the temple is supposed to be a representation of so that what is happening is that in in temples we get back to that original pristine creative state and that's a great place to remember then that god speaks to us in symbols and that we should be looking for meaning from these symbols and trying to understand uh something from all of the symbols in here so let's address one more question when it comes to creation then um, I've just given you a set of, of and, and I'll have to, I guess since this is about the scriptures are real, this is what made me think of it. When I understood that creative imagery and its use in the Near East and especially in ancient Egypt, and then I read Genesis 1 again, it was so real to me. I could see this is an authentic ancient Near Eastern document. I could understand the mindset of the people there so much better. And, and they became real to me. I was like, oh, now I see why God is using these words because he's talking to these people and it's the words that they would be expecting and understanding. And they became more real to me and the way God works with his children became more real to me. And that was an exciting time for me. And so let's, let's address just one more subject that, on that matter, and that is that much of this, it's difficult to tell whether it's literal or symbolic. That's true when we talk about the creation. Is it really water, or is that symbolic for something else? Is it really a mountain, or is that symbolic for something else? Is it really light that's first? Because we get this light, but the sun is created later, right? So is it light, is it the sun, or is that symbolic? Uh, we can get to it in the story of the fall. Uh, is there really fruit and a tree? Is it really a snake or not? Is that literal or symbolic? And the answer is, I don't know whether it's literal, but it's always symbolic. It is always symbolic, and it's the symbols that are the important part. So let's not worry about whether it's literal or not. I don't know if it's really a fig leaf uh, or anything along those lines. Uh, let's learn from the symbolism. I don't know if they're really naked. Let's learn from the symbolism. The symbolism is what we need to focus on and let God, we, we can understand something because we've inherited this story of ancient symbols. And yet God also retells it to us today, both in these ancient texts and in the temple, which draws on the ancient symbols as well, but it's slightly different. And so we have a, a set of symbols that we should be trying to learn something from. And the beautiful thing about symbols is that they can yield layer after layer after layer of meaning to us. And so I hope that this is just a, a little bit of food for thought for you in trying to make sense of and draw something from the creation account. So 
This has been The Scriptures Are Real. I hope you'll like and share. It's a short one, but uh, hopefully useful for you. And it makes the scriptures more real for you and allows you to draw more power out of it. Thank you.